It is uh, an incredible schos to be here with all of you on this Tisha B'Av afternoon to be able to find a way to maximize and to utilize these incredibly painful hours for some form of cathartic, transformative growth. I want to begin by thanking the sponsor for the shir, dedicating the shir Le'ilu Nishmas Chaim Yeshayahu Alava Shalom Ben Yosef. We hope that in the merit of our Tamatora, the Nisham will have an Aliyah and the family a Nechama. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of Kinos today that there is a very beautiful custom that on Matzi Tishabav we bury the Kinos. The reason we bury the Kinos is because it expresses the ultimate hope, the optimistic hope, that this will have been the last Tishabav. You only hold on to things if they hold some value for you in the future. But if at the end of the day you truly believe with all of your heart that Mashiach is going to come, that this is the last Tishabab, there's no need to hold on to the kinnis. So an ancient custom that Amatzi Tishabab they go out, go ahead and go ahead and bury the kinnis. And I often feel this way when it comes to Tishabab, there's a there's a certain euphoric feeling that one experiences on Matzi Tishabab, like a simcha, almost like a little bit of a giddiness. Even though we know that the morning practice is extended into the tenth of Av, there's a certain level of just incredible happiness, a feeling like, I really think I've done this for the last time. I think I'm actually done with this. And we come to another year, and we come to another Tisha B'Av, and we come to another day of incredible heartbreak and mourning. And there's a certain part of us that feels, I can't believe, I can't believe I'm, I'm doing this again. So it's always an incredible schos to learn with this, with this group. And I thank Mrs. Shulman for, uh, for inviting me to give this year. But I, I would be dishonest if I told you that I wasn't a little bit disappointed. Because as much as I enjoy giving this year, at the conclusion of last year's shir, I was convinced that this would be the end, that Amir Tzashem Webi Zoha still have a shir, we should always have a shir, but to have a shir in Yerushalayim, to have a shir maybe by one of the walls, you know, the Gemara discusses that there were times when the different Rabbanim used to give a shear in the shade of the walls of the Beis HaMikdash. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zaka used to give a shear. So I thought maybe we'd get to learn in the shade of the walls of the Beis HaMikdash or just maybe anywhere in Eretz Yisrael together. But alas, HaKadosh Baruch Hu always has a plan and that plan requires that, um, that we're here. We're here. So if we're here and if we have the schus to be together, then Amir Tashem, we should just make the most of our time and try to figure out the way to tap into the pain of this day but to turn that pain into power. So let's begin with number one. A Gemara, a very well-known Gemara, where the Gemara says as follows, Amar Rava, Adam Ladin. So Rava talks about again, after 120, when I am brought before judgment. Remember again, after we leave this world, all of us are brought for judgment before the Beis and Shamala, before the heavenly court. So it's always interesting to know what, what am I judged based on? Like what's the metric of successful living? So Omrim Lo, the Beisdin Shlamala Kodesh Baruch Hu says to each of us, three things, four things I should say. Nasasa binasata be'emuna. Number one, were you honest with your business dealings? Number two, kavata itam Torah. Did you set aside time to learn Torah? Number three, asakta be'peri Rivya. Did you engage in procreation? And number four, it's a piece of the Yeshua. Literally, again, did you hope or did you look out for salvation? So three out of the four of these are very easily understood. Were you honest in your business dealings? That's, that's, that's number one. That's the most obvious. That goes without saying that... Sorry. 
that goes without saying that a person has to be honest. So that we understand that that's the hallmark. That's the hallmark of what it means to be a Jew. Honesty, integrity, morality. So question number one, was I honest in my business dealings? Okay, it makes sense. Question number two, setting aside time to learn Torah. When it, see, what it means to set aside time to learn Torah, in other words, what, what, what is Hashem actually asking me? What he's asking me was that it was Torah a priority for you. You see, you know, sometimes we want to accomplish something, but they say, ah, I, I ran out of time. I just didn't have enough time. You know, if we're honest with ourselves, if you run out of time and therefore don't get to do something, that's because it wasn't a priority. If something is a priority, you make time. No one ever says, oh, I forgot to eat for the last three days. I just, I just totally forgot about it. And I'll probably wrong example on a fast day. But you understand, I forgot to eat the last three days. No one ever says that. Why? Because again, eating is important to me. So therefore, I'm not, I'm, not going, I'm not going to forget it. This is why, like in relationships, if you forget a loved one's birthday, Right? Or you forget an anniversary. So there's a lot of things I forget on any given day. But the truth is, at the end of the day, I remember the things that are important to me. And if I forget it, that means at least on some level, it was not as important to me as some other things. So Kavata Itim Torah is a Baruch way of saying, was Torah important to you? And it's not just enough in life to say something's important to you. You have to show it's important to you. How do you show that Torah is important to you? You set aside time to be able to learn. Good. Asakta beperia berivia. It's interesting, Hashem does not hold me accountable if I did have children, didn't have children, because that's not in my control. All the Hashem Baruch Hu says is, did you try to have a family? Did you try to find a marriage partner? Did you try to go out and have children? Did you try? And as long as you tried, that's enough in the eyes of Hashem Baruch Hu. But the last one is the one I want to focus on, Sipis of Yeshua. Now, we generally understand this to mean, Sipis of Yeshua means, did I actively await the coming of Mashiach? That's normally how we understand this. Did I, did I actively await the coming of Mashiach? So it's interesting because the other three, the other three make sense, right? The idea of being honest. We have many, many mitzvahs in the Torah which teach us about honesty and integrity, especially when it comes to money and business dealings. Number two, setting aside time to learn Torah. We know we have a mitzvah, there's a mitzvah to learn Torah. So it's not just that to have a mitzvah to learn, you have to go ahead and set aside time. And number three, there's a mitzvah peru revu. So those two make sense. But where do you ever see that there is a mitzvah to wait for Mashiach? Where, 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 where is that mitzvah? Which one of the 613 is the mitzvah of waiting for Mashiach? So the Chanukah Satorah, the Rebbe of Heschel, says something very beautiful in number two. He says, one of the questions asks us, did you eagerly await Mashiach? So the Smak asks the question, the Sefer Mitzvah's Kitanos, from where do you see that you're supposed to wait for Mashiach? Where, where, where do I see such a Mitzvah like this? The Tirates, the Nilmad Mehadich Sivanochi Hashem Alokecha, Asherot Tzichamir Eretz Israim. The first of the Ten Commandments. I am Hashem, your God, who took you out of Egypt. The Kosha, Why does it say that I am God who took you out of Egypt? What was, was. No, it was very nice. God, he took us out of Egypt. Fantastic. That was thousands of years ago. Thousands of years ago. Why bring it up? Now, in other words, you could just say, the first commandment is, you have to believe in Hashem. Why the need to add in there, who took me out of Egypt? Allah, lo malacha. Kashim Galios. 
to teach us of something very important. That just as Hashem took us out of Egypt, so too He will take us out of future diasporas and future difficulties as well. Therefore, says the Chanukah Satora, amazingly enough, there is a mitzvah to eagerly await Mashiach. Where does the mitzvah come from? Anochi Hashem alokecha, sher I'm Hashem your God, who took you out of Egypt. And that mitzvah tells me that I have to believe that just as Hashem took me out of Egypt, just as He took me out of Egypt, He took me, He will take me out of my future difficulties as well. He will deliver me from future gullets, from future diaspora, and deliver me into the hands of messianic redemption. That's the mitzvah. Okay, and we're all familiar with this. And the truth is, this drives, this drives the centrality of Mashiach in our lives. You know, Mashiach is a fascinating concept because the Torah doesn't really seem to explicitly address it. There are some veiled references to it, but the Torah doesn't really address the concept of Mashiach head on. But yet here we see that one of the metrics of successful living, did you wait for Mashiach? Did you eagerly await? See, peace the Yeshua. Did you, well, the English over here is, did you hope? Did you eagerly await the coming of Mashiach? So I want to show you something very interesting. If you take a look at number three, the Ran, the Ran in Chidush Haran says something amazing. The Ran, one of the commentaries on the Gemara says, V'od tzarech levair tzipisa liyeshua biyamecha. So the Ran, so now we're going to see that many of the commentaries on the Gemara kind of shape this mitzvah in different ways. The Ran says, it's not enough just to believe in the coming of Mashiach. You have to believe that Mashiach is going to come in your days. You have to believe it. You have to believe. In other words, to believe that Mashiach will come one day, that's very nice. But that's not the mitzvah. The mitzvah of Tzipisa Yeshua, the command of Tzipisa Yeshua, longing for, looking out for, hoping for messianic salvation, demands that I actively believe that Mashiach is going to come in my days. In my days, I have to believe that it is going to happen now. Not that it's going to happen in some far off time, some future time. I believe that it's going to happen in my days. The Marsha says something very interesting. The Marsha says, Tzipi Sili Yeshua, Dahainu Yeshuos Belashon Rabin. Lefisha Mitzape Umekavali Yeshua Becholsha Him Rabin. So this is incredible. The 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 Marsha, the Marsha had a different version of the Gemara. And in his version of the Gemara, it wasn't simply Tzipisili Yeshua. Did you look out for salvation? But rather again, it's did you look out for salvations? Plural. Did you look out for salvations? Plural. Why? Because a person who goes ahead and is on the lookout for salvation, Bechosha at any moment, him Rabin. There are so many salvational moments all around us. All around us. Tzipisali Yeshuos, says the Marsha. It doesn't mean, did you look out, right? Did you hope for salvation singular? Rather, were you on the lookout? Were your eyes open for salvational moments that are all around us? That are all around us. And the Sassem is the really highlights a very similar idea in number five, where the Rebbe says so beautifully, Okay, 
Zochaliros Bishuas Hashem. So Hashemah says, one who lights candles in darkened alleyways will be privileged to see the salvation of God. Or to Smarshemah echoing this same idea as the Marashah. Life is often this darkened alleyway. But all along the alleyway are little salvational candles. All the way the alley, all along the alleyway are these little moments of salvation, these little moments of Yeshua. So something amazing happens. The fourth question that we are asked after 120. So the Chanukah Satora and the Ran understand that it's a reference to Mashiach. It's a reference to Mashiach. Did you wait for Mashiach? Not, not some future. And did you wait for Mashiach to come in your days? Did you believe that he could come in your days? You know why we're we talking about Mashiach now? We know because I quoted many years in the past the Yerushalmi, the beautiful Yerushalmi that says that Mashiach is born on Tishabov. He's born on Tishabov. And the Gemara, as the Yerushalmi says, his name is Menachem because he is the one who brings consolation. Today is a day of Mashiach. So the Gemara says, See, peace li Yeshua. Just as important as if you were honest in your business dealings. And just as important did you set aside time for learning. And just as important did you try to build a family. Just as important of all of those things. See, peace of Yeshua. Did you live a life where you eagerly awaited the coming of Mashiach in your days? Not at some future time in your days. But then comes the Marashon of Sassam and says, No, 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 no. That's not the question. Of course, you have to wait for Mashiach. And of course, you have to be on the lookout for Mashiach. And of course, you have to eagerly pine and yearn for the coming of Mashiach. But that's not the question. That's not the question. See, peace of Yeshua means, were you on the lookout for salvational moments in life? Were you on the lookout for salvational moments in life? There are moments of salvation all around us. There are moments of Yeshua all around us. There are moments of incredible elevation, incredible self-transcendence all around us. Were you on the lookout for those moments? And the Marsha and the Sassamas will say it's very simple. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu was asking me about Mashiach, there's a much better way to phrase the question. HaKadosh Baruch Hu could have just said, Chikisa le Mashiach. Did you wait for Mashiach? That's the question. Did you wait for Mashiach? But that's not the question that Kodesh Baruch Hu asks. He asks, Sipisa li Yeshua. Sipisa li Yeshua. Which ultimately again means, did you look for moments of salvation in life? And this is perhaps one of the most incredible questions that we could ask ourselves, but not after 120, during the 120. Sipisa li Yeshua. Am I on the lookout for salvational moments in life? And those moments are all around us. Often those moments come in the midst of incredible tragedy and difficulty. You know, there's an incredible story that's told. An incredible story that's told. On January 13th, 1943, the Blujavareba, the was in the camps, trying to mind his own business as was often the right thing to do in the camps. And the capo, who was the Jew in charge of the block, you know, busted into the busted into the barracks, and he starts yelling, "Blujevir Rebbe, get up! Blujevir Rebbe, get up!" And the Rebbe at first wanted to pretend like he did not hear what the capo was saying, because whenever the capo tried to call you, it was never never anything good. And the capo kept yelling for the Rebbe. The Rebbe finally had no choice. He gets up, stands before the capo, 
the capo handed the Rebbe a crumpled up envelope. Crumpled envelope. The Rebbe opened it, and inside of the envelope he found a note. And on the note was scribbled the following message. I want to read to you the note. Dear Rabbi Spira, it was the blue Rabbi Saul Spira, they have surrounded the bristle factory in the ghetto, and 800 of us are about to be put to death. The only question that remains is whether they shoot us or take us to the ovens. If you should be found worthy of being saved, then see to it that a little marker is put up with my wife's name and mine so that our names should not be forgotten. Or perhaps have a Torah scroll written in our memory. I am enclosing 50 American dollars. I hope the messenger to whom I am giving this note will give the money to you. I must hurry because they have already ordered us to take off our clothes. When I get to the other world, I will convey your greetings to your holy ancestors and will ask them to intercede on your behalf so that your days may be long and happy. Your servant, Aryeh ben Leah Kornblit. P.S. My sister's children are now living with a Gentile family named Vasilevsky near Gredik. Please take them away from there and turn them over to a Jewish family. Whatever happens, they must remain Jews. My wife, Sheva Baschaya, was shot yesterday. The Rebbe finished reading the letter. $50 fell to the floor. But I want to read to you how the story ends. The Rebbe held on to the letter wherever he went for the rest of the war. Shortly, after he arrived in the United States, he was invited to attend the Malava Malka on the Lower East Side. Among the 500 people who attended were many rabbis who had survived the camps. The Rebbe was the last speaker. As he read this letter to the stunned audience, the people listened and sobbed. The Sefer Torah was written later that year. That's a salvational moment. This Aryeh ben Leah Kornblit, who has disappeared into the ashes of the Holocaust, the inferno of the Holocaust, understood that in those few moments, he had to do something with very, very little in his control. Writes a letter to the Rebbe, Blue Rebbe, $50, and all he can do is hope that that moment of salvation would occur. The Rebbe gets the letter. The Rebbe could have easily just said, you know what? Sorry, I'll dive in for your neshama. But what am I going to do? How am I going to honor this request? But the Rebbe in that moment also saw a salvational moment. See, life is filled with these salvational moments where we can become greater. Where we can become better. Where we can lift ourselves and transcend to a different level, to a different darga. Those moments present themselves in times of simcha. And they present themselves in time of tsara. We just have to have the strength to be able to seize them. There's another incredible story that's told. I may have shared this story with you a number of years back as well. About Rebetzin Luba Blach, Hashem Yikom Damo. She was the wife of Reb Zalman Blach, who was the Telzer Rosh Hashiva. And in Tells, the Nazi Yimachshon Vizikram had obliterated the community and had already shot and killed all of the men. The Rebetzin, together with her children, were being led out to a pit in the forest. 
and it was clear what was going to happen. As they're being lined up to be murdered by the Nazi beast, Yemach Shemam the Rebbezin goes over to one of the Nazi guards, and she says, I will tell you where I have hidden all of my jewels, all of my money, if you kill me last. So the Nazi hears this, and he thinks that this is just a woman who is greedily trying to stave off death for a few extra moments. So he happily acquiesces. Rebetzin Blach sees her children murdered right in front of her. After her children are shot before her eyes, she goes down into the pit. She kisses each of the children on their forehead, closes their eyes, takes dirt, covers their bodies, looks up and says, Ribbono Shalom. Thank you for the schos, thank you for the merit of bringing my children to Kever Yisrael. Thank you for the merit of allowing me to bury my children in a proper burial. It's incomprehensible, but it's something we have to learn from. Tzipisel Yeshua does not simply mean did you wait for Mashiach. Tzipisel Yeshua means did you take the moments when they presented themselves to you in life? In times of Simcha and in times of Tzara. And did you do something with it? You think Tzipisil Yeshua means sitting and waiting for Mashiach? The Jew doesn't sit and wait for anything or anyone. We're not a people of waiters. We don't sit and wait. We do. Tzipisil Yeshua means... When moments for growth, when moments for greatness, when moments to do something dramatic presented themselves, do you find the courage to take them? Because so often in life, the greatest moments in life present themselves and sometimes we're just too busy. We're just too preoccupied. We're just doing something else. See, peace in the Yeshua. Did you live life with eyes wide open to all of the beautiful potential Moments all around you. Did you seize them? Did you take them? Did you grab them? Like a Blushev Rebbe. Like a Rebbe Blah, And like so many throughout our history. That's Tzipisa. Li Yeshua. And of course they're not mutually exclusive. I have to wait for Mashiach. Of course I have to wait for Mashiach. But I also have to try to find the moments of salvation in day-to-day life. And once I find them, I have to be able to take them and grab them. And those moments are all around us. They're all around us. You see someone who's struggling. And you know, let's be honest. Sometimes when I see someone who's struggling, what I really want to do more than anything is just look away. Because I've got enough on my plate. I've got enough going on. I just can't deal with it. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu put that person in my life, HaKadosh Baruch Hu here allowed me to hear about their plight, it's because I'm encountering a salvational moment. I can be an agent of salvation. I could bring the Yeshua for others, and in doing so, bring Yeshua for myself as well. 
These moments are all around us in life. You know, sometimes parents know that their children are struggling, but they don't want to admit it. They don't want to admit it. Because at the end of the day, my child might be engaged in some really significant and difficult life struggle. And I'd rather pretend that everything is just okay. But if HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave you a child who's struggling, it's because he knows that somehow, some way, you have the keys to that struggle. It doesn't mean you have the answers. But somehow, some way, that child is your salvational moment. That child is your tzipisili Yeshua. That child represents your ability to do something great and accomplish something great on behalf of someone else, on behalf of yourself. The moments are all around us, you know? We always speak about, like, crises. Crises, the, the shidduch crisis, the this crisis, the different crisis. You know, maybe it's time to start to stop speaking about crises. Stop talking about it and stop writing about it and just actually start doing something about it. See, peace of the Yeshua. This is not a t- this is not a discussion on the shidduch crisis. That's a different. That's a different shear. But you know, people kind of throw their hands up in the air, as if we can't do anything about it. We, of course, we could do something about it. We could always do something about it. We could become better than the ridiculous checklists that we create, and we could become better than requesting pictures from young women, which debases and objectifies them. We don't have to buy into a system. And if we all went ahead and said, no, thank you, and we were all a united front, crisis over. Or we could just continue to talk about it. And we continue to write about it and hold symposiums about it. There are salvational moments all around us. And if we want to fix the problems of Cloud Israel, we can. We don't have a base amikdash because there's sinas chinam. Doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. Because if we stopped always needing to be right, and instead, like the Sassama says, focused a bit more on being happy, getting along, coexisting, we could usher in a tidal wave of Avashina. I am absolutely unequivocally convinced that there is no problem, at least the ones that plague us, that doesn't have a solution. There are all tzipisili Yeshua moments all around us. You just have to have the courage to finally do something about it. But it's hard. Because at the end of the day, it's so much easier to talk about problems than it is to actually solve them. But that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu asks us after 120. I'm happy you waited for Mashiach. Dear friends, let's be honest. Waiting for Mashiach is easy. It's very easy. You know why? You don't have to do anything. <laughs> All you have to do is wait. Okay, if you're very from you could pack a suitcase also. Fantastic. But it doesn't require anything of you. You just sit and you wait and you daven, which is all incredible, all important. And of course, you have to want it. But it doesn't require anything of me. All I have to do is wait. What a Kaddish Baruch Hu really wants, it's the peace of Yeshua really means, really means, really means, did you look for the salvational moments in life? And did you take them? When you're faced with adversity, 
instead of lamenting it, asking myself, how can I grow from it? And when I'm blessed with bracha, instead of thinking, oh, magiali, I've earned this, what am I going to do with it? And when I see something broken, how am I going to fix it? And when I see someone broken, my job is not to fix other people. How can I be there for them? That's Tzipisa Yeshua. That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to know after 120. Did you look for the salvational moments? And did you grab them, seize them, and do something with them? That's what I want to know. Because I didn't put you in this earth just to wait for Mashiach. Just to sit and to wait. Yes, we have an obligation to wait for Mashiach. But we also have an obligation to hasten His arrival by identifying and seizing our salvational moments as well. But I want to point out what I think is the most important salvational moment of all. You know, if you take a look at number six. So this is a quote here from the Be'era Parsha, from the Lalava Rebbe. I'm sorry, from the son of Lalava Rebbe, Melech Pirmin. And he says something amazing. And when I first saw it, when I first saw it, I was a little taken aback. Because in general, I, I never, I, I always cringe when people give reasons for contemporary or even not contemporary disasters and tragedies. You see, we could give reasons for the first and the second base of the were destroyed because Chazal tell us. But after the period of Nevoah, after there are no, right once there are no longer any prophets, so the ability to say this happened because of this or this happened because of that, one has to be very careful with doing that. One has to be very, very, very careful. Because if you're wrong, it's blasphemous. And if you're wrong, and if you're wrong, you run the risk of cheapening the loss and the spilling of Jewish blood. And if you're not a Navi, you might be a great Talmud Chacham, but you might not know, probably, probably don't know, why HaKadosh Baruch Hu does what he does. But Ramelech Bidamin in Barah Parsha said something which I thought was so profound. He says, Darshi Rishumos, Amru, He's referring to the three different catastrophes. Three catastrophes that he's referring to are Meron, what happened in Carlin Stolen before Shavuos with the collapsing of the bleachers, and the collapse of the building in Surfside. He says, if you look at those three tragedies, those three tragedies. He says there's something, there's, there is a scary common denominator. And what is it? All of them required removing people from rubble. In Meron, it was human rubble. It was a stampede. In Carlin Stolen, also people falling on top of each other, collapsing in the breaches bleachers, and surfside, the collapsing of the building. People have to be pulled out from rubble. And Mamelech says something that, that really, I just found it jarring. He says, mm-hmm. 
So the Rebbe says like this, I'll tell you this outside. He says, if you look at all three of these tragedies, people were stuck and could not remove themselves. They were stuck and could not remove themselves. The tragedy of Mehron, Jew on top of Jew, Jew piled on top of Jew. And Rahmanullah said, we spoke about this during Kinnis today. Rahmanullah again, people unable to extricate themselves from the mound of people. Kalun stolen, surfside. And the Bear Parsha says something amazing. He says, you know, there are times in life where you're buried underneath something and you can't get out of it. That was Meiron. That was Carlin Stone. That was Surfside. But there are so many other times in life where I'm buried beneath rubble, emotional rubble, spiritual rubble, relationship rubble, personalistic rubble. But the difference is I can extricate myself from that. I can get myself out of that if I choose. Who amongst us isn't buried underneath some kind of rubble? There are those of us in marriages that have so much toxicity, that have so much negativity. There are those of us in other life relationships, be it with children or be with parents, where same toxicity, negativity. You know, you don't have to remain under that rubble if you don't want to. You could change it. You could change it. You can work on the relationship. It's true. Sometimes you just have to extricate yourself from the relationship. Sometimes the relationship is too broken. Sometimes it's too toxic. Sometimes it's too painful. But many other times it's not. It just requires work. But I don't have to stay under the rubble. I don't have to stay there. And how many times does it happen that I'm buried underneath the rubble of a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Because I feel that the Ribbono Shalolam has failed me. I feel that there were times that I needed you, God. And you were not there for me. So I go through the motions. I go through the behaviors. But at the end of the day, there's so much rubble of negativity burying my neshama. You know, it doesn't have to be that way. You can extricate yourself from that rubble. You could have it out with God. There's nothing wrong with having it out with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Rebbe Shalom has a thick skin. He's ready and willing to listen to whatever you have to say. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has no problem if you yell at him. What he just can't stand like in any relationship is when you ignore him. See, if you feel betrayed or if you feel let down, work through it. Work yourself out of the rubble. Pull yourself out of the rubble and regain your relationship with your Father above. And how many of us are buried underneath the rubble of personalistic failure? We all have failed in life. I would venture to say there's not one of us that didn't have dreams and aspirations. In so many areas in life, I wanted my marriage to look like this. I wanted my kids to look like this. But leave all that aside. What about me? What about me? I wanted to accomplish certain things. I wanted to be a certain kind of person. I wanted to lead a different life. You know, I had dreams. There are things I wanted to be, things I wanted to accomplish. But I didn't do them for a variety of different reasons. How many of us live buried underneath the rubble of personal failure and disappointment? 
and you know rubble is stifling. After too long, too many layers of rubble, you can't breathe, you can't find your way, you can't see. And Rahman al-Sun, sometimes you just give up. In the Bear Parsha, Rameelich is telling us, with our own eyes, we saw three tragedies of rubble. People who could not pull themselves back out to life. That need not be us. If I'm buried underneath something, if something is on top of me, lay, weighing me down, pull yourself out of the rubble. Don't lose yourself underneath the rubble. Don't give up underneath the rubble. Extricate yourself, pull yourself out, claw your way out, whatever you have to do. Get out from it. Remake and reforge your relationships. Re-energize your relationship with Hashem. And if the dreams of your past have failed to materialize, imploded, or just never got off the ground, get out of the rubble of those past personalistic failures and dream something new. Dream something new. But whatever you do, don't lose yourself under the rubble. And perhaps, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu asks us after 120, Tzipisali Yeshua, did you look for salvation? Did you look for moments of salvation? Do you know what the greatest moment of salvation in life is? When you pull yourself out of your life rubble. When you pull yourself underneath, from out of the pancaked structures of your life, of failure, those are the greatest salvational moments. Because so many people just give up underneath the rubble. They're still alive biologically. They're still going through the motions physically. But they've given up long ago. They're lost for all time in the rubble. I don't want to be that person. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, if you're trapped beneath the rubble, tzipi sili Yeshua, find your moment of salvation and find the koach to pull yourself out. Because no matter how overwhelming or how heavy that rubble may be, you, I, we all possess the koach to claw our way out. And maybe I can't get out at once. Maybe it's going to take some time. But I have the ability to get out. That's Tzipisali Yeshua. Did you look for the moments of salvation? Did you look for the moments of salvation to make a difference in the lives of others? Did you look for the moment of salvation to make a difference in the world? But most importantly, I really think most importantly, did you look for the moments of salvation to claw your way out from underneath your life rubble that has buried you for far too long? There are circumstances, and we've seen them with our own eyes, where you're trapped and you can't get out. But most of life, when you're trapped, you absolutely could claw your way out. That's Tzipisali Yeshua. And this is Tisha B'av. Because Tisha B'av is day where we mourn all of the catastrophes and all of the calamities and all of the tsaris and all of the sadness and all of the heartbreak of Klal Yisrael. The truth is, you need a year of Tisha B'avs from morning until night to mourn every loss and to mourn every heartbreak and to mourn every 
tragic circumstance. Hashem doesn't want that from us. He wants us to mourn and then He wants us to move on. So this morning we mourn. And then at Chatzos at midday we know Tisha B'Av transforms. You feel the transformation. There's a difference. I get up. I sit on a regular chair. I pull back the parochas, the curtain of the Aron. There's a difference because now my mindset has shifted. In the morning, I mourned the rubble. Now I have to think about how do I get out? Because I, don't want, I want to accomplish something great. I want to do something amazing. I want to be the best version of me. And how do I do it? Step one is get out of the rubble. See, peace of Yeshua. Did you look for moments of salvation? Did you look to extricate yourself from the structures that are holding you back, from the rubble that's holding you back, from the circumstances? It is so easy to say, I would be great if, if this was better, if that was better, if this wasn't toxic, if this wasn't damaging, if I didn't have this scar, this wound, that. We all have our scars and we all have our wounds and we all have our baggage and we all have our rubble. But the Kaddish Baruch Hu says, you don't understand the kawach you possess to get yourself out of it. To extricate yourself from the things that are weighing you down and to finally, finally become the person I know I can become. This is Tisha B'av. At least this is the afternoon of Tisha B'av. This is Sipisa, the Yeshua. But I want to end off with one last piece. If you take a look at number seven, that's actually a beautiful, beautiful story. A magnificent story. Pam, One time the great Tona Rebbe was late in coming to the Tish. He was late in coming to his table. His brother Hasidim, so he comes, finally came home, sits down at the Tish, sits down at the table. And the Hasidim were all wondering, where, where was the Rebbe? Where did he go? So the Rebbe explains it. This is incredible. Listen to this story. I was going to come to the Tish, but I met Mashiach. I met Mashiach. Listen to this. So the Talmud Rebbe says, get ready. Mashiach, ask me a question. Ask me a question. And what was the question? The question went like this. Mashiach is asking the Talmud Rebbe, should I come now? On one hand, I can come right now, bring the Geula. But here's the problem. You know, when Mashiach comes, you can't do tshuva anymore. When Mashiach comes, there's no repentance. Just like the Gemara says, when Mashiach comes, we will no longer accept converts. Why? Because when Mashiach comes, everything is so clear, everything is so apparent, that Ibn Shalom's existence is apparent, so people can't convert. You know, when the Jews are the winning team, you can't convert. We accept converts when it's, when it's, a, when it's a challenge to be a Jew. Same thing with tshuva. There's no tshuva in the Messianic era. Because in the Messianic era, the existence of God becomes so unequivocally clear. And the drive to do good is so strong that you don't score any points for doing tshuva. Tshuva has to be done before Mashiach comes. See here the Shiloh of Mashiach? 
Mashiach asked the Shaila to the Talmud Rabbi, even Mashiach has a Rebbe. He asked Talmud Rabbi, should I come now? On one hand, wouldn't it be great to bring the Geula? Wouldn't it be great to usher in a period of redemption? Wouldn't it be incredible to go ahead and finally bring in the Geula? But if I do that, the people who still need to do tshuva will never have the opportunity to do tshuva. I will deprive them. They will be forever eternally deprived of the ability to do tshuva. So I can come now, bring redemption for everyone, but yet those who have to do tshuva will be forever deprived of that ability, of that opportunity. Or, Mashiach says, I could delay coming, give the people who need to do tshuva the opportunity to do tshuva, and I'll come after they finish doing their tshuva. This was the shayla that Mashiach ben David asked the Talna Rebbe. To which the Rebbe responded, Va'anisilo, Shaladati, Achin Yeshlarachim Aleilu Hanashamas. Talna Rebbe said, I think it's better. Wait. Wait. Don't come yet. Wait a little bit longer. Give the people who need to do tshuva an opportunity to do tshuva. Velachin. Wait a little bit. Give the people who need the opportunity to do a tikkun, to atone for their sins, to do tshuva, to rectify themselves, give them the opportunity to do so before you come. What the Talmud Rebbe said to the Melech HaMashiach. Who are those people? So the Talmud Rebbe says, wait, because people still need time. They need to do tshuva, they need to get themselves in order. Who are those people? Those people are me. Those people are you. Talna Rebbe was advocating for us. Because the Talna Rebbe knew that we still have work to do. There's what to be done as badly as I want Mashiach. And as much as I want him yesterday, I need to get myself in order. I need to seize my salvational moments. There are things I could do to help others. There are things I could do to help the world and there are things I can do to help myself. There is rubble that I need to clear. There is excavation that needs to be done. There is a freeing from shackles that needs to occur. And if Mashiach comes now, I lose out on that incredible opportunity. So you see something amazing. When does Mashiach come? When I seize my salvational moments. When does Mashiach come? When I get out of my rubble. When does Mashiach come? When I become who I really need to be. So we don't wait for Mashiach. (laughs) I'm not waiting for Mashiach. I'm waiting for me. I'm waiting for me to finally be strong enough to do the things I need to do. To make the changes I need to make the life adjustments that need to be done to remove the rubble that has been holding me back for too long. None of us are waiting for Mashiach. Mashiach's waiting for us. The Ribbono Shalom is waiting for us. And all we have to do is find the courage to clear the rubble, to see the salvational moments. Then Mashiach will immediately present himself for Gula. So let us hope that Amir Tzashem, we spend our lives preparing to answer all of these questions before the Beis Shalmala. We have to be honest in our business dealings. We have to set aside time to learn. 
we have to try to build mishpachos, and not just build them biologically, but build them spiritually as well. But I think it's that fourth question that really becomes the center stage of our lives. Zipisali Yeshua. Did you look, identify, and seize the salvational moments of life? Did you help others? Did you help the world? Did you help yourself? Did you clear the rubble? Did you extricate yourself from the things that are holding you back? Did you become the person you really need to be? If we could all just answer that question the right way, Gula would truly come. So let us hope that in the merit of the tears that we have shed this morning, remembering all that we have lost over the generations, in the merit of mourning all of the beautiful neshamas and the communities which have been taken from us over the last 2,000 plus years, tears are not an ends. They're a means. Tears are the water that water our soil of personalistic growth. Those tears that come out of my eyes fall into my neshama. They water me. It's the miracle grow of the soul. And now in this second part of Tisha B'Av, I pledge to do better, to be better. I pledge Tzipisil Yeshua. I pledge to clear the rubble. And if we all do so, Amir Tzashem, Bibi Bizocha. Baruch Hu will see that we have done what we need to do and He will do what He needs to do, which is to finally stop holding back the Melech HaMashiach. Mashiach's been waiting for us. If we do our work, He could stop waiting. He could come. Usher in a period of equilibrium, a period of tranquility, a period of peace, of shalom, which we need so badly in our world. A period of when the generations come back and connect with each other. A generation, a time, a period of resurrection of the dead so that we could be reunited with our loved ones and our loved ones with us. And a period of the Beis HaMikdash. Because just imagine that scene when all of us together with all of our mishpacha walk over the hills and the ridges of Yerushalayim and in the distance we see that beautiful, magnificent, glistening Beis HaMikdash. We see it. We see the fire coming down from Shamayim, consuming the Karbanos on the outer Mizbeach. We see the Kohen Gadol wrapped in his beautiful Big Kuhuna. We see our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents. We see the Tzadikim and Tzidkaniyos of yesteryear. We see Avram and Sarah, Yitzchak and Rivka, Yaakov, Rachel and Leah, all there to greet us. It doesn't have to be a dream. It could be a reality. All we need to do is to peace of the Yeshua, clear the rubble, become the people we need to become, and the dream becomes a reality. To continue to learn together for many years, but not on Zoom, and not from my study in Baltimore. But in rebuilt Wishing everyone a meaningful and uplifting continuation of the fast.